0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to a post Christmas show, the Mike Messinelli podcast, podcast episode number 36, doing it on Monday, December 26th. I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas, got what you wanted, spent some time with your family. There was uh, hugging and kissing and, and no sniping at the dinner table uh, as we proceed with our podcast today. Of course, brought to us by the Bet Rivers Network. Don't forget to download the Bet Rivers app. You can make all your bets. I got cashed in two or three. All my bets for this weekend. But, uh, here's the big story, obviously. The Eagles lose to the Cowboys 40-34. to 34. And um, though it looked like the Eagles were poised to pull it out at the end when Devontae Smith made that, that Air Jordan leap to snare that pass at midfield, the drive fizzled, and so did their chances to beat Dallas. And it's a pretty straightforward path uh, from this point on. Here's the deal. First of all, let's look at how the Eagles lost this. 20 points on uh, four turnovers uh, and a third and 30 completion uh, kind of spoiled things here, and it spelled their doom. And you can go down the the, the list uh, of things that happened and and make a chain link onto this loss uh, because it it first uh, started with the Boston Scott fumble and then the 53-yard pass to T.Y. Hilton. And then uh, there was the uh, interception by the Ron Bland where I don't know if because Watkins made a great fight for that ball. And then finally the Sanders fumble, which kind of crippled him. That's 20 points on four turnovers and a third and 30 completion. The Eagles had a 27, 17 lead in the second, third quarter and then bang it, it hit. Um, so yeah, um, Listen, they need one win to clinch the division and uh, the number one seed. And we'll get into that in a second. We talk about the bigger story, which is Jalen Hurts. But let's just let's just go down and, and examine the four things that happened here. Boston's got an RPO fumble. Now, Minshew saved a touchdown by making a tackle on that play. But Dallas got the tying touchdown on third down pass to Gallup. The Eagles took back the lead in the fourth quarter on a great drive, which I thought really was a drive that was going to make them win this game. 13 plays, 75 yards. Minshew to Devontae, uh, who, who uh, like had a monster game. I mean, Devontae Smith was just amazing in this game. Uh, and, of course, the next Dallas possession, they get the Reddick sack fumble. Should have had the recovery on that fumble. Was ripped away from Hargrave. Then another sack by Sweat, so you're looking pretty good there on a third and 30, and somehow they get the bomb 53 yards on a third and 30. Now, how does something like that happen? Well, something like that happens at a breakdown in coverage. Uh, Darius Slay was trailing the play, and it's hard to tell whether it was his responsibility or whether his responsibility on that play was to trail the play while the slot corner was supposed to get over there, and the slot corner was Josiah Scott, who was playing for Avante Maddox, who was having a great game until he got hurt. So if you look at that play, two guys are at fault, and then Blankenship got over a little too late as the last resort, and they convert that on a third and 30. Um, now, you know, you got to look at that and, and say that a, a team should not let that happen. No team should really let that kind of thing happen. But the Cowboys go on to tie the score there at the CeeDee Lamb, who also had a great game. Cook Bradbury, the move was, uh, he made Bradbury think he was going inside. He shot outside, twisted Bradbury's legs a little bit. They get the touchdown there. Uh, And then there was the bland uh, interception. Now, when you look at the interception, people are screaming and yelling that that should have been pass interference. The guy comes over the shoulder, most likely that's going to be a pass interference call, but the receiver doesn't fight for that ball. So it's hard for an official to look at that and say that if that receiver was impeded if the receiver is going to be docile uh, on a catch like that so they don't get the call and then uh of course they get the field goal of the Cowboys to take a 37-34 lead then comes the Sanders fumble uh, uh they receive they recovered to 26 field goal puts them ahead 40 to 34 and sets up the Eagles for the last drive of the game where it looked like they were going to be able to pull it off, and that fell short. So let's look at the good and bad of this game, and then we'll get to the real issue, which is what, what is the head of the Eagles at this point. Uh, the good and bad. First, the good. Devontae Smith, a star. He was a star in this game. I mean, you know, from the toe tap on the sidelines to high-pointing that ball on the final drive, he was always available. Uh, maybe Goddard being on the field helped that a little bit, but this man could run a route. Uh, I love this guy. I love the kid, and and he uh, he had a monster game for the Eagles. Um, let, let's look at Minshew. Gardner Minshew. He did a nice job. Now, he played kind of a conservative game, and I think he was determined uh, not, not to stretch it out and to try to manage a game where they could win. For the most part, he did that. He threw the ball away quick on plays that weren't there, whereas Hertz would hang on to it a little longer and make a play with his legs. That's the major difference. When it wasn't there for Minshew, he threw it out of bounds. He, he he wasted a lot of plays, which is what a smart quarterback does. He doesn't have the, the RPO skills that Jalen Hurts has. So he was determined not to lose the game and play a safe game, and for the most part, he did. I mean, 24 for 40, 355, two touchdowns, but the two interceptions. Um, and, you know, I, I'm okay with the way he played. Uh, he's a very competent backup quarterback. He's probably a starter for a lot of teams in this league. He's probably going to get a chance to be a starter. Uh, and now, what he might have to do uh, is win one more game. And we'll get to that in a second. So hang in here. Um, here's the bad Darius Slay. For the last several games, Darius Slay has not been a great player. Now, I, I don't know if he's smelling himself. He got all hopped up about being a pro Bowl. He talks a lot about himself. Um, what's up with him lately? Has not really played that well. Hasn't had an interception in a really long time and seems to be lost on a lot of patterns. So that that's worrying me because Slay was a stalwart early on and that secondary was impenetrable. And, and if he's leaking then you got some problems back there. Here's the uh, number 2 of the bad. Miles Sanders. Now, here's why. He's had a great year by all accounts, in the last two games he's fumbled. If you remember Miles Sanders, that was his main problem. It was his his problem at Penn State it was his problem early in the NFL. He kind of cured that. Two fumbles in the last two games, he was very upset. After the second fumble, which was the costliest fumble, he uh now I worry about whether it's in his head. When guys fumble, running backs fumble, and they had a penchant of fumbling before, this mental thing comes in where now they, they're focused on holding on to the ball and not fumbling, and that usually gets them in trouble. So I'm a little worried about that. Number three of the bad. Linebackers haven't played well. They didn't play well in the game against Dallas. The week before, Kazeer White has kind of slipped. He's leaking oil a little bit. He's regressed a little bit. Uh, T.J. Edwards got got demolished in coverage. If you saw it against the Dallas Cowboys, all of a sudden the linebackers uh, have a little regression. Uh, Number four, Avante Maddox hurt again. Now, he started this game, he came back and and was flying all over the place. He was getting in the backfield making plays. Uh, They they really benefited from his presence in there. He's got a toe problem. He was in a walking boot after the game. It it looks like he's not going to play anytime soon, uh, at least not this week. And finally, you got the two other injuries with Lane Johnson with the groin. And uh, for the record, uh, Lane's groin was not feeling that well to the point where he's usually normally our, our live guest on the Jacob Sports postgame show, which we did on Christmas Eve. Uh, and Lane's segment we had to cancel because he, he wasn't up for coming on. He, he was getting treatment on his groin. And then it was Jordan Davis who got banged in the head. So all these things uh, are, are not good things that come out of the Dallas game. Now, so far in this podcast, we have obviously buried the lead. And the lead is this. Jalen Hurts and what happens now? Let's go over a couple scenarios, and I want to bring producer Darren in here for a second. But let me go down the list here. He's got a shoulder sprain. The conventional wisdom is that he probably should rest another week. Now, that's okay if you believe that Minshew can beat the Saints, which I think he can. But, obviously, with Jalen Hurts back in the game, it gives them more of a chance to, to beat the Saints. And if Jalen can play and they beat the Saints, they don't have to worry about anything for the rest of the year. They can play Minshew uh, against the Giants. And, and then they have another week as you have the bye coming up to rest the, uh, Jalen Hurts. If he cannot play against the Saints, do you then, are you then going to be forced, if the Eagles lose to the Saints, to bring back Jalen Hurts in the final game of the year against the Giants, a hungry team that will be playing for a playoff slot, uh, either a seed or, or maybe to hold off somebody to stay in the playoffs. Uh, I don't like that scenario, uh, but if you don't play him, let's just go this way now. You do play Gardner Minshew against the Saints. You do win that game. There's now no reason to play Jalen Hurts until your first playoff game, which means Jalen Hurts, your starting quarterback, will not have played in four weeks. It's a hell of a dilemma, and you got to go through these one by one. So let's bring Darren in. Uh, Darren, uh, first of all, what do you think the Eagles will do next week? To me, it's pretty cut and dry,
1: okay? It's an injury that's all, we've already been told by medical professionals that it is an injury that can get worse if it is not fully healed. You can make it worse. Unless he's 100%, I don't play him. That's why you have a backup. That's why you have a capable backup. I thought Minchu played just fine, good enough to beat Dallas. Let's face it, he was not the problem. They, he, they did not lose that game because of Gardner Minchu They lost the game because of turnovers, and you hit it on the head. There's concern with Darius Slay. You know, he let up that awful late touchdown against Chicago. He led up the first touchdown in Dallas. He left that third and 30, uh, gave up 50 yards to T.Y. Hilton, who can't on un- can't outrun me right now. He's off. I don't know if he's hurt or if maybe you're right about him being a little smelling himself a bit, but he's a number one concern for me right now. Well, let's right,
0: look at that play because a lot of people that even examine that play say that that, that coverage divides the field in quarters. And that he's supposed to be the trail guy on that they were guy. In who cover three. He's got a third. Yeah, and and um and that that meant Josiah Scott had the responsibility of of really getting to the to the receiver. I, I I don't know, but earlier in the game, Slay also got flagged for an illegal contact on T.Y. Hilton. He has not been playing his best, so that that is a problem. But, but let, let's let's get back now to hurts. the hurts thing.
1: Yeah, So hurt with hurts, he has to. If if he's a hundred percent, you play him. And that's it. And
0: if he's not okay, 100%. If he's if don't... he's
1: 95%. All right. If, well, if he's no, not I, fully
0: I 100%, what are you doing?
1: I, I, I play Minshew because that's why you have a capable backup. He's a good. He could start for 10, 12 teams in the NFL right now, the quarterback plays so bad overall. So I would play Minshew. I, okay. I fully believe they're good enough to beat the Saints. All right, let's, let's take but the next the step.
0: Let's take the next step. Okay. They're not good enough to beat the Saints. They lose to the Saints. The Saints technically have a chance still to get in the playoffs. So it's not like they're going to lay down for you. Suppose Minshew then loses to the Saints. What do you do in the final week against the Giants? Do you play Hertz?
1: I play Hertz if he's 100% and no less.
0: So you wouldn't – So I'll you would, if Minshew. he's not 100%, you wouldn't even play him in the final game of the year when you need one win to clinch everything. Is he's that what you're 100%? saying?
1: No. Because the playoffs, it's all about the Super Bowl or bust at this point.
0: But if you don't get to number one
1: seed, that's that's a that, that total disaster. They're in. They're already in. In. So to me, he's got to be a hundred percent, or I don't play him until the playoffs. Okay.
0: See, I totally Jeez. disagree with you. I think that you it is a must situation to play him in the final game of the year when you have one win to get to clinch the number 1 seed there's no way you could squander that I, so, I so that's are... that's the problem you have you would have to play him in that last game you can't afford to play Minshew against the Giants when you need one win
1: the Gi- first of all there's no the Giants stink number 1 number 2 he's not the issue they lost that game They've lost two games this year for one reason overall.
0: They turned the ball over. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a better chance winning a game with Hurts or Minshew?
1: Obviously with Hurts. Come on. Okay. Well, then how can you sit there and say, I'm going to take the chance that Minshew wins the last game of the season? They're good enough without Hurts to beat the Saints or the Giants with their
0: eyes closed. That's why. you're at. You're rounding things off. I'm telling. I'm asking you. Suppose they don't beat the Saints with Minshew. If he's not a
1: hundred percent and he can injure that shoulder more, he's sitting until he's healthy.
0: It's, well, I guess what? You, and white With this. you don't have the liberty of squandering the number one seed. So he's got to play the last game of the year if they lose to the Saints.
1: My opinion. You cannot be-
0: look yourself in the mirror and, and and send Minshew out the last game and squander the number one
1: seed. You can't do it. Uh, They're already in. If if the game was to get into playoffs, they're
0: in. And and the difference is you would have to go to San Francisco to play that NFC title game.
1: Maybe. maybe If they they don't get
0: the number one seed. Stop it. Think this through.
1: I'm not worried about any team in the NFC with Jalen Hurts at quarterback in the postseason.
0: On the road in the playoffs? They're, they were 7-0 on the road. This is the playoffs. The hottest team in football, the 49ers. Wouldn't you rather
1: have them here than there? Mike, in the last 10 years, road teams are just as successful in the postseason as home teams. Home, te- home field advantage. Again, is that was defense. That
0: defense. I know. You, dude. Yeah. You're not taking this the extra mile. And
1: they also got the, the, the last pick of the draft. Hey,
0: it's de- It's Give desperation it time. Purdy. You cannot squander the number one seed.
1: Get out of here with Brock
0: Purdy, please. <laughs> See, you're disrespecting the team that's rolling I'm disrespecting right now. the quarterback,
1: not the team.
0: Uh, all right, so you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 You're right in that Mitch you could beat the Saints, but you're wrong in thinking – that if he doesn't beat the Saints, that you're just as comfortable with Minshew in the last game of the year, who has to beat a Giants team that is that is desperately trying to get a, a, a solidifying a seed in the playoffs. At that point, you must play Hertz. But now here's the other thing. If if Minshew does beat the Saints next week, you don't have to worry about anything. Here's all your problems, except for the fact that Hertz's first playoff game will be a four-week gap. And again... I, if
1: he's 100% against the – let's just say Minshew beats the Saints next week, which I think he will. I have no – I mean, I really – I have no worries about this game. I know I didn't worry about Dallas, but I don't worry about this game at home. Saints are a 5-6 win team, whatever they are. They can't play. They have no quarterback, none. And if he if, let's say he beats them, right, and they're, everything's locked up. If Hurts is 100%, the following week, I play him for a quarter or a half. In fact, I play all the starters for a quarter or a half against the Giants because this team showed one of their losses when they get out of sync. Back when they lost to Washington, they had played like three games in 28 days. It's important to keep your starters in somewhat of a regimen. You don't want them to have too much time off. A bye week is great, but I would absolutely play Hurts against the Giants for a quarter.
0: You just got quarter. done telling me you wouldn't play him if it wasn't 100 If 100%.
1: 100%, I said.
0: If oh, I thought, 100%. Let's say he's not 100%. He now now that the four weeks without activity come into play. Then he doesn't play. But he gets a lot of reps in practice.
1: But I'm not putting him out there. Unless he's 100%. Now playoffs are different. If he's 95% against, in the divisional round, get out there. Go make a play. But not until the playoffs, unless he's
0: 100%. All right. There are two problems here. Number one, miss, you can't beat the Saints. You must come back with hurts. number two, if he's good enough to beat the Saints, I don't play him at all and let him heal, and then I risk the four-week thing. So that is the dilemma that we must ponder, Eagle fans, as we go forward in this particular situation. All right. Let's continue our football discussion on the Mike Messinelli podcast. Let's look now at the playoff scenario. Now, again, this is coming down to the wire, and these are the playoff scenarios that we have right now. I update them every week on the uh, podcast that we do following an Eagles game. So in the NFC, the Eagles still have the number one seed, obviously. The seven seed Washington Commanders still at the number two Minnesota Vikings who won another precarious game we'll talk about it in a second when we go around the NFL. There's number six Giants. At the third seed, San Francisco. Now, the Niners could actually be the number one seed, that we talked about it before, if the Eagles and Vikings lose out. And by your scenario, with Minshew playing and Hurts not playing because he's not 100%, it's very possible that the Eagles could lose out.
1: I will make you a deal. If the Eagles do not get the number one seed, I will pay your January mortgage.
0: How's that? I have a mortgage. Oh,
1: you yes. oh, have oh fancy yeah. fancy. I have a mortgage. Oh, I, ain't a mortgage. Paid I don't pay off. no I don't well, pay You no got no a mortgage st- down ashore?
0: I don't pay no stinking mortgages. You Come got on. a mortgage down ashore? No.
1: Then I'll pay your car payment. They're putting number one seed. I know you so got a no, car no, payment. No, 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 no. I,
0: don't, I don't want to bet on that because I don't want that kind of result I don't want to win <laughs> blood money. Okay. Just, I'm so, just saying so, that's how uh confident I am. So here's the deal. number five seed cowboys are still at the Four seeded Bucks. And again, the way this sets up, the Eagles' first playoff game will be at the Cowboys in the third matchup of a uh, situation where uh, the Cowboys, uh, it scares me. I'm going to be honest with you. That game scares me. All right. Um, the Cowboys, the season. Now let's get other teams that may be involved in this playoff. This is why it's not completely done yet. The Seahawks trail a Washington by a half a game. They play the Jets and the Rams next. The Commanders play the Browns and the Cowboys. Uh, The Lions, uh, bad loss for them. They're on the fringe now. They're a half a game back of the Commanders. Um, uh, But Seattle um, hasn't, um, let's see, they they have the Bears and at the Packers. Uh, those Lions. So Seattle is still involved in that. Now, the Packers are one game behind the Commanders. If the Packs win out and the Commanders lose once, Green Bay gets the playoff spot. Green Bay has the Vikings and Lions left. So it's all coming down the stretch for the NFC. In the AFC, Bills number one seed. Dolphins at the number two Chiefs. Dolphins is seven seed. Chargers, six seed at the three Bengals. And five Ravens at four Jags are now in the playoffs. So, um, very interesting uh, on, on these playoff scenarios here. Okay. Um, let's look at uh, back to the Eagles defense and what they did against the Cowboys. Then we'll move on around the NFL. The, the Eagles defense, Dallas converted on their first six third downs of the game. Five, 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 six, and seven yards. So third and five, third and five, third and five, third and and six, third and seven. It's not good. That is not good by the Eagles defense. And then, of course, there was the third and 30 uh, situation. Uh, So um, they've got to play better. Uh, There's no way you can give up 40 points. No way you can turn the ball over four times. And and it's a shame that they couldn't win that game and, and, you know, keep us from worrying as we come down the stretch. All right, let's go uh, around the NFL. Now, these are the five thoughts that I had about uh, NFL football during the weekend. Um, So let's start with the Carolina Panthers. Now, uh, as we talked last week, Darren, I made the Panthers one of my picks of the week, reluctantly. But the line was screaming to me. The Panthers go out there in the coldest game in franchise history. It was 20 degrees in Charlotte. And they beat the Lions 37-23. They, they, this NFL is just amazing. The oddsmaker sets a tiny line in that game. You know that the right now the Lions are playing way better than the Panthers. So it's a little fishy. Gives you a little hint. I hope yeah, everybody well, has I felt
1: like the Lions were due for like a bit of a sputter and,
0: there. And they did sputter. And now their playoff position is precarious. And meanwhile, the Panthers are hanging in there. It's the NFL. All right. The Vikings, they beat the Giants on, oh, it's amazing, a game winning 61 yard field goal by Greg Joseph, the fifth longest in NFL history. That sound familiar, Listen to this. Does
1: that sound familiar to you, by the way? The 61 yarder against the Giants?
0: Yeah, that was uh, the Eagles kicker kicked out. that, Elliot, right?
1: Yeah, I thought that was my yeah. first thought when you. Oh my God. Yeah, it, was, that was it wasn't something.
0: my first thought because I don't really think about kickers' accomplishments. But but Greg Joseph hit a sixty-one-yarder, fifth longest in NFL history. The Vikings are now eleven and O in one-score games, most in a single season in NFL history. Now, what does that make them? Does that make them seasoned? I guess it does. Does it make them like unfettered when when they get? Down to, to the nitty gritty of a game in winning all these close games, 11 and 0 scares me a little bit. They hang in a game, they find a way to win it. Now, they're not an overly great team and they struggle almost every week to win games. But when it comes to push and shove, they do the pushing.
1: They're well coached, Mike, and they're not the most talented team on defense, but they're a very well coached team. They do hang in there, and the Hawkinson uh, trade this year did wonders for them when they traded for him from Detroit. That all was, right, I number three,
0: play. the Broncos. Oh my God, what a disaster! Fifty-one to fourteen, they lose to the Rams, and Russell Wilson. I, I listen, I've seen running backs all of a sudden lose it. Uh, and they fall off the face of the earth. What has happened to this dude? He doesn't even look like he can play anymore. And they're on the hook for a monster contract. What are they going to do with Russell Wilson in Denver? He's going to set that franchise back for a long time. I've never seen it. He's terrible. All right, number four. The Packers, they beat the Dolphins 26-20. They've fallen behind this game 20-10. to Defense forces four turnovers uh, on Miami's first five possessions. And the Pack, go for it, five different fourth down times, they converted three of those, and they survive. So the Packers, the team that everybody pronounced dead, everybody said, well, you know what? Uh, Jordan Love's going to play the rest of the year. Here comes uh, Aaron Rodgers off the mat, and he's got him in a playoff situation possibly. So that was a monster win for the Dolphins. Meanwhile, Tua just gave it up. My God, what a choke by Tua. What did he throw? He threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter. A total meltdown by that kid. And there was a situation in that game where he hit his head again. And i think you know, no concussion protocol. I don't know. He's got eggshell skull right now. He hits his head. You know, I don't understand why they're not cautionary with him. All right, and finally, five. Bengals survived New England. I had the Patriots based on this line. I smelled the Patriots. It was three points. The Bengals were one of the hottest teams in the league. 22-0 at halftime. And here comes the Patriots scoring 18 unanswered points. And they're driving for the game winner. And Ramon J. Stevenson fumbles near the Cincinnati goal line in the closing seconds to lose the game. I would have had a three and a week. Anyway, that's around the NFL for today. Any any thoughts that you had, Darren, on the around the NFL?
1: Um, I'll tell you a couple things that uh, I thought. Number one, uh, I'm I'm already tired of the Green Bay Packers. I'm tired of Aaron Rodgers, and I'm already hearing the nobody wants to see Aaron Rodgers in the play in the postseason in the Packers in the postseason. Look. They played better, and that's fine. That team is not talented. They're not talented defensively. They got one wide receiver who's the kid from North Dakota State who can play good running game, but they don't run the ball. I'm just, I love, I just can't stand when the media latches on to uh, you know, old faithful, Aaron Rodgers. Like there are better stories in the league right now. I do like that Brady's getting buried
0: in the media because it's over for him. <laughs> you know what you are? You're such a bitter sports fan. I am. You are. You're like, you're like the definition of a bitter sports fan. You don't like Aaron Rodgers. You're going to find every way to hate him instead of giving the guy credit for what he is. Is he a Kukuluk? Yeah, of course he's a Luke. But obviously he's a premier quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks in NFL history. And you're sitting there going, twist hey, Aaron Rodgers.
1: Because the team is stuck all year, and then they, they so want the games. guy's a
0: great quarterback. It's,
1: it's seven wins. You're it's just a good. hater
0: because he's odd.
1: No, I'm. T- I don't like the media latching on to an old. Fake
0: you're thing. you're a media hater because they latch. on. you got all these little, little reasons, like some sports fan who's drinking Schaefer beer on your on your lounge chair every week.
1: <laughs>
0: I hate that guy.
1: I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. I don't like his
0: haircut. I don't hate Aaron. <laughs> he
1: does look like a meth dealer, though, doesn't he? He's a um, but- kook. Yeah, he's a
0: kook. He's a little off. Great player. All right. Um, let's go now to um Mike Unleashed on the podcast today. Um Mike Unleashed is sometimes it's um very emotional. Uh sometimes it's got uh you know a lot of anger in it. But Mike Unleashed is gonna be uh kind of analytical today. And this happens to be uh, on the 76ers, but more specifically on James Harden. An hour before yesterday's game, you watched it at noon. The uh, Sixers beat the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Great win for them. they now won eight in a row. An hour before the game, a story breaks by Woj that James Harden would consider going back to Houston after this year because he's got an opt-out. Now, this kind of thing disturbs me. Here's why it disturbs me. Uh, and it disturbs me about NBA players in general. The money has been so uh, astronomical that they have, they lose they have they completely lose track of their souls they feel so entitled now this is a situation where the sixers are rolling and a lot of people are looking at the sixers well finally they figured it out and they're going to be a viable contender along with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics and here this guy either his agent or he leaks it because you know, Woe's a pretty good. He has pretty good contacts within the industry with the agents and stuff like that. Maybe his agents leaking it out there. Maybe it's a negotiating tool. My question is, why now, dude? Seriously, why? Why? What? What would you have to gain by doing this now? You, you are part of a team right now that's rolling. If you're struggling, I get it. The team's won eight in a row. You get some camaraderie. You and M are playing well together, and, and you, you throw that out there. Why? You don't have to do that now. You can do it later. Why now? I can't stand stuff like that. So um, I guess you should expect it when it comes to James Harden, who is all about James Harden. I get it. And most NBA players are all about themselves. That's the way it works in the NBA with stars. And there's nothing you can do about it. But, dude, it's eight in a row. And right before you're ready to win your eighth in a row, this breaks. And he was asked about it by Keith Pompey, and he got a little huffy. Uh, he, but he did not say I didn't say that. <laughs> so I, I, I just wonder what 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 the reason is for it. And, and James, you should know better. Uh, you know, Darryl Morey put his career on the line by bringing you here. At least have a little respect and, and wait until after the season to make your moves, whatever moves you're going to make. I'll do it now to derail what you got rolling. All right. That's Mike Unleashed for today. Let's move on to the thought of the day. And my thought of the day happens to be about the Phillies. I know there's not enough room to think about the Phillies. You get the Eagles dominate your attention. You got the Sixers now in vogue. They're playing well. And you think they got a shot. Let me just say this. I don't think they're as good as Boston or Milwaukee. And I don't believe that they can actually conquer those two teams to get to an NBA final. So that I'll, I'll put that right out there right now. Whether they won eight in a row or not, I look at Boston, I look at Milwaukee, I say the Sixers aren't either of those teams. All right. So, anyway, my thought of the day, the Phillies just signed Craig Kimbrell. Now, I, I know a lot of people who don't follow baseball, so they hear Craig Kimbrell go, wow, they got, finally got a closer. Craig Kimbrell is no longer a closer in Major League Baseball. Craig Kimbrell is a 7-8 inning guy. So, let's look at what the Phillies have because – they could always use another seven, eight, eight, eight guy. Uh, and I want to compare them to the Mets. The Mets are going to come in with a payroll of almost $400 million. And the owner is willing to pay the tax. The tax on that, when you exceed the luxury tax threshold, which I believe is $363 million, you pay 90% on a dollar. So if they're exceeding it by 120 million, you could do the math 9%, 120 million is what. Steve Cohen would have to pay in tax. You know, I don't know where that tax money goes. We're going to have Jason Stark on next week to, to tell us where that that money goes. But in any event, let's look at both teams. So let's line up now with the Phillies. And we'll start with the bullpen and where Kimbrell figures in on. Their Their closer has to be Dominguez next year. He's got the best closer stuff. And I know that Rob Thompson might mix and match every now and then. But Dominguez is is your closer role guy. Now they have Alvarado, but they can use late to get left-handed hitters out. They have Kimbrell in that in that mix, and they have Strom, the left-hander. All these are high-leverage guys, so they got they're covered with high-leverage guys. And then they got your Brogdon's of the world and your Bellatis of the world, whoever else. To, a couple other spots, uh, Nick Nelson, uh, you know, whoever is going to uh, be in that bullpen. So. But their starting pitching then would be Wheeler, Nola, Ranger Suarez, Taiwan Walker, and whomever. The fifth starter still not decided. It would be among Painter, the young kid if they decide to bring him up, Bailey Falter, who I can't stand, Christopher Sanchez, who I don't care about either. So that's the fifth starter. Um, Now, uh, let's look at the Mets. Uh, The Mets starters were Scherzer, Verlander, Jose Quintana, who the left-hander they got from St. Louis. uh, uh, Kodai Senga, the mystery man from Japan. And then they have a choice of three pretty good starters for this fifth spot. Carlos Carrasco, uh, Peterson, and Tyler McGill. That's pretty pretty deep. Their staff is probably better starting-wise than the Phillies. Their bullpen is not, however. They just signed Diaz, the closer. All right, he's great. Robertson, they signed. Uh, and then uh, you can fill in the blanks. There's a lot of guys that really haven't proven much, and they lost a couple of guys. So I would say the Phillies have the edge in the pen. The Mets have a slight edge in the starters. Now let's look at their lineup. The Mets lineup will be, once they get through, they're not going to negate the Correa deal. So uh, at the end of the day, he's going to be a Met. Whatever his physical condition, are, they're going to work around it. They may get a better price out of it, whatever. He's going to be a Met. He's going to play third base. He'll probably be a really good third baseman. The shortstop, obviously, is um, um, uh, Lindor. And then Jeff McNeil is the second base. Peter Alonzo, first base. They're outfield weak, except for Nimmo in center field. Marcana, average player. And... Um, Sterling Marte and right field had a bad year last year. So the Mets are spending a lot of money thinking they've spent enough to win. I still think that the Phillies have the edge in that. So the signing of Kimbrel adds a little depth to their bullpen, which is going to be imperative because probably the Phillies starters aren't going to go into the game as long as the Mets starters, and you're going to need to fill in those innings. So their bullpen is now, I think, pretty well stocked for that. So, Darren, you just heard those two scenarios with the Mets and the Phillies. Of course, I didn't even discuss the Braves, who are probably going to be in the mix, although I think the Braves are a little weaker than both these teams. How are you feeling about that?
1: Phillies, I have no problem with their lineup. Um, I'm really – the Mets have this mystique about them. Uh, I will say this. Their owner – every team should have an owner that wants to spend like that because they all have the money. Every team has the money. Maybe not as much as Cohen, but they have enough to spend. That's what I do admire about the Mets. They have an owner who's like, I'm going to go all out. Not that the Phillies don't, because I know Middleton will write a check for anybody. Um, Look, The Mets on paper are the better team. They are. But the Mets have been the better team on paper a lot of years. And for whatever reason, that team falls apart. And until they don't fall apart at the end of the year, I'm going to continue to believe that they will fall apart. I don't That's think the
0: they're the better team. I don't think they're the better team. You're talking about two really old starters now that had that staff. And, and I don't know when, uh, when the curtain gets pulled on these guys, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it sounds like a good name, Scherzer and Verlander at the top. They're both like 40 years old. So, uh, And I think the Phillies' everyday lineup is better than the Mets, even though they added Correa, because I think their outfield is weak. They're out. I don't. What are they going to get out of their outfield? How how much pop do they get out of their outfield?
1: I just think when you when you factor in the pitching and the bullpens, uh, the Mets have a little bit of an advantage.
0: Yeah, I don't don't see it that way. Uh, So uh, I think the Phillies should go into uh, next year in baseball as the favorite. Uh, All right. So um, how was your Christmas? Let's just talk about Christmas right now. Little Christmas memories. Uh, What did you do for Christmas Eve and Christmas, Darren? Did you have a nice one?
1: We had a great Christmas. It's pretty, we're pretty robotic every Christmas. We go to uh, my wife's cousin's house every Christmas Eve. We go to my mother-in-law's every Christmas day. Although I think next year, since we just had the kitchen in my, basically my first floor of my home remodeled, that we're going to be taking Christmas day next year. Great Christmas. Kids had a ball. Uh, My my youngest is 10, as you know, my alley. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I wonder if this is like, is this the last year for some magic, you know, well, you know, what's going to have, is this going to be the last year that I get to do certain things with her for, as you know, what those things are in case there are kids listening. Um, so I just, I tried to hold on to a lot of those little memories, those little things with the kids this year, uh, because they are getting older. They got a lot of sports equipment, a lot of softball equipment for Christmas. Uh, but we had a good Christmas, good, lot a of, lot of family, a lot of friends, a lot of drinks, a lot of
0: laughs. How was yours? Um, it, it was it was fine. Very low key for me. Okay. Uh, you know, I made a little lasagna and a ham, and uh, you know, had some people over. But uh, very low key, and, and I got a lot of very nice gifts, so uh, I I was happy. But it, the thing about me is that I love giving more than I re- receive. I so- feel odd getting gifts.
1: I do too. My wife's like, for weeks, like, what am I going to Like, I'm fortunate, right? So, and you are too. So, if you want something, you just go get it. That's what I do. If I want something, yeah. I have it. So, it's very difficult for me to tell my wife what I want for Christmas. I love giving, I spoil her, I spoil the girls unbelievably. Um, but I'm like you, I don't really, I'm not comfortable getting gifts. Like, yeah, I got a couple things, but and that's great and all, but I'm happy not getting anything. It's just giving. That's the way I love Christmas.
0: Yeah, I, I like it, too. I'd rather watch them open the stuff that I'm, I've given them because I put a lot of thought in it than right. rather than me, with well, them watch me open it. But I did get a couple of really uh, useful gifts. My girlfriend comes up big with the uh, useful gifts. that She she notices something that I, I get attracted to in a TV ad. So, um I got one of those, uh, you know, that all-purpose ratchet thing that has all the the, the, the uh, bars in it. Like, if it, yeah. it, it adjusts to everything. <laughs> you yeah, need one, yeah. it's you like only one, need the one racket. Pool. I don't it's even know pool. if it works, but I, I got it, and I'm going to try it out.
1: <laughs> and, and it I works. got something similar. I got yeah. one of those because I drive a lot for work. You know, I have a nice car, but, but God forbid anything happens. They got me one of those things where – it's it's charged up and it's a battery charger and an air pump all in one. So if I get a little tire or anything or my battery's dying, whatever I'm on the road, boom, got it right there in the car. I don't have to worry about it. Useful yeah. tools, practical. Uh,
0: uh, and side. also, uh, we were at a place where uh, a guy had a, had a turkey, cooked a turkey, and this is uh, several weeks ago, and I and I saw the guy sharpening his knife with a slate stone. And you know I do a lot of cooking, and I always have a problem with my knife staying sharp. And uh, this thing is like a slate stone that has two different grades, and you kind of like put it at a twenty degree angle and shoot it across the slate stone back and forth. Let me tell you something, man. I could be Pat LaFrieda right now. I've sharper. I've sharper my my knives. I'm I'm ready to slice up a side <laughs> of beef with these knives. It's that's an aw- awesome slate piece. We give shh shh. Get it razor sharp, those knives.
1: That's a good gift. It is. is that's something you do. You enjoy cooking. You uh, I do well. enjoy
0: cooking. Yeah. And yeah, now I got my little ratchet set attachment that I can. Uh, that's all I need. I don't need, I don't need to lug, lug the box around.
1: Just got one tool. Do it all. a do great. it all tool. I love
0: it. Yes. Uh, all right. So uh, I think that'll do it for today. We got three so questions here. Uh, we miss anything today. Let's close it down questions. and we didn't do
1: our three questions yet.
0: Oh, I thought, that's right. try We have three questions for Mike. So Two let's get into it. Three questions for Mike. All
1: right. Mikey three questions Miss. for Mikey Miss. Here we go. So this time of year, a lot of cocktails, a lot of spirits, a lot of holiday cheer, Mike, what's the best cocktail?
0: Uh, um, um, well, for me, the best cocktail is a good Manhattan. I'm a fan of the bourbon. Uh, and, uh, you know, I like a good Manhattan with a cherry. So, uh, yeah, that's usually mine. That's old school. It's like Frank Sinatra-esque. But uh, but I kind of like an old-fashioned. I, I, you know, I'm a totally bourbon Totally
1: agree. Man. Totally agree. Smoked? Oh, the mm-hmm. best. Totally agree with you. Yeah. All right.
0: You've seen Hunt for Out October? Yes.
1: You've seen Patriot Games, the Harrison Ford Jack Ryan movies? Yes. You've seen the Amazon Prime Jack Ryan show with John John Krasinski. Krasinski. Okay, and and I yeah. think Chris Pine has done a couple of the newer where he's a younger Jack Ryan. Movies. Mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't really seen much of them. Rate the Jack Ryan's for me. Who played the best? Who played? Rate. You, leave Chris Pine out of this. Uh, Baldwin, Ford, Krasinski. Rate the Jack Ryan's.
0: Uh, I'll take Harrison Ford uh, in the one where he uh, he he went over to bust up the cartel, and there and there was that. Uh, that sinister the guy
1: at
0: the end yeah there's the sinister guy the little guy the little hispanic guy who was trying to take over and, and screw both of them the lindo coffee
1: right yeah lindo coffee
0: lindo yes. coffee and 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 the, and the drug lure was actually uh uh the guy from seinfeld who uh, uh had the uh
1: yes little yeri
0: yeah little yeri, seinfeld. Little yeri of seinfeld You owned, owned the bodega <laughs> was that was actually the bad guy in that yeah. Harrison Ford one.
1: Yeah, so you go Harrison Ford, the best of the Jack Ryans?
0: Yes, I like that movie the best, yes.
1: Oh, man, I could disagree with you. Yeah, no, I, I, did like I didn't that.
0: go Ben Affleck was a Jack Ryan, right?
1: Oh, that's right, he was a Jack Ryan. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah not... I didn't like that one. No. And John I, I, Krasinski. I thought too, yeah. thought
1: still the best.
0: Baldwin? What, yeah, Baldwin? What, in a Hunt for Red October?
1: He was great in that. He was the best Ryan for me. Krasinski's really good. You got, I don't like the Hunt for Red October
0: as uh, uh, much as I like Crimson Tide. If it came to those two, I always go Crimson Tide over the Hunt for Red October.
1: Of submarine movies? Yes. There you go. Okay, third question, Mike. Uh, you, uh, Penn State, the Knits play today, and the Rose Bowl are playing Utah. Uh, there's a lot of bowls out there, man. just really like the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, the Lending Tree Bowl, the Gasparilla Bowl, the Bob, the Boca Raton Bowl, the Idaho Potato are there too many bowls? I mean, enough. Of you. you only need six wins to be eligible. Uh, there's some of these games, there's no one in the stands except the moms and dads of like half the players. Is there? Is there too many bowls? Would you cut them
0: down? I, I, uh, I don't watch any bowls. Now that they have the playoff system, they're the only ones that matter to me. So I won't watch. You know, so I'll probably look in on Penn State. Uh, in in the Rose Bowl, obviously, because Penn, I'm a Penn Stater, but I have not watched one second of any other ball game. Yes, there are too many ball games. Uh, the, the, it's a, really a, a thing for sponsors now, where they they want to put on a show and and make a couple dollars out of it. But uh, no, I'm not interested in any bowl game. That doesn't now now include stakes that you can win a national championship with. I used to like the Bulls when they uh, they had something to do with the national championship, but I don't I don't watch any of them now.
1: Speaking of bowl games uh, on Thursday, Kevin DeGondi will be with us. He will be live from the Peach Bowl, where Georgia in a home game will take on Ohio State University. That's three yes. questions for Mikey Miss.
0: Well, thank you very much, and I know some Georgia uh, people who are going to be at that game. Um, I go, why? I go well, it's the peach ball. We go every year. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, those, those bulldog fans though, you know, they're riding high right now.
1: It's a good time to be a Georgia fan. It really is. I'm not a fan of their coach. I don't really like Kirby smart. He likes to undress his players on the sidelines. I don't like coaches who do that.
0: But. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that when it comes to college kids. <laughs> <laughs> get him in line, get him in line. All right, don't forget, Absolutely. folks, um, you can follow me on Twitter, mikemiss 25 You can email me Mike at MikeMiss.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, also uh, don't forget we have uh, the BetRivers Rivers app. If you haven't downloaded, yeah, what are you waiting for? I don't get it. You, you, you beef up your total and then you, you store your chestnuts until you really you get to the, to the sport that you're an expert in, and then you pound it when you got a little you know a little girth in your, in your account. That's the way to do it. Get that Bet Rivers app. Uh, Also, uh, special, uh, I've been telling people all week on my Twitter, uh, I am part, of course, of uh, the ownership group of Natalie Winery, and that's in Cape May Courthouse. We are running some specials right now for the holidays. A Mike Missanelli special. If you buy six bottles, you get 30% off the total order right now. Now, you can go to the winery, do that in person. It's a great visit. You're hanging around. It's a little chilly out there. Get a nice cozy little wine tasting room. Stop in and, and taste the wines that are your favorites, and grab six bottles with thirty percent off. Or you could do it online. Go to natalivineyards.com. That's n a t a l i v i n e y a r d uh, dot com. And uh, I think it's an S. Yeah, vineyards. So put an S on there. dot com. And if you put in the code discount code Mike Miss. You'll get that 30% off if you buy the wines online. And uh, I got—I want to thank all the people for sending me nice messages because my book, the children's book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba, a lot of people sending me pictures. About your little kids are looking at the book, reading the book. So that's very cute. I appreciate uh, all the, uh, the the sales that I'm getting. Again, 20% of the, all proceeds. In fact, I just sent a check to the mainline animal shelter. 20% of all proceeds go to local animal shelters. Uh, you can get the book on my website, which is mikemiss.com. Order it right there. Or you can, uh, if you're used to doing it on Amazon, things like that, just go to Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Uh, the Adventures of Shima the Shiba will pop up, or you put my name in there, it'll pop up. Uh, and uh, it's. It, I think it's a pretty good book for kids just learning to read or uh, younger kids where parents can read it to them. Uh, I think that's about it, right? I think so. Uh, yes,
1: just you know, a little message to all the people out there betting all these bowl games remember the less you bet the more you lose when you win
0: <laughs> I, don't even know what that, I don't even know what that means but yeah take 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 <laughs> his advice it. uh kevin the gandhi on thursday we'll be back with the podcast on thursday thanks everybody for listening to this podcast I hope everybody had a good christmas the day after christmas that's where you get all the boxes and assemble them and you save the boxes are you a pipe that saves boxes for next year I am. I like to save a few boxes, so I have to go out and buy new boxes. But then, you know, you crinkle all the paper, you put it in the bag, you take it out to the trash. It's a lot of trash this weekend. So, uh, everybody, uh, have a fun scaling down from Christmas. you still got New Year's ahead of you, though. This is a big week. Hang in there. Be safe out there, everybody. This is Mike Missanelli for the Mike Missanelli Podcast. Don't forget to uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast free uh, on the Bet Rivers uh, channel, the Bet Rivers Sports Network. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you Thursday.